Section twenty five of the ego and his own. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The ego and his own by Max Stirner. My intercourse, part two. As a communion of the required sort, the family offers itself in the first place. Parents, husbands, and wife children brothers and sisters represent a whole or form a family for the further widening of which the collateral relatives also may be made to serve if taken into account the family is a true communion only when the law of the family piety or family love is observed by its members a son to whom parents brothers and sisters have become indifferent has been a son for as the sonship no longer shows itself efficacious it has no greater significance than the long past connection of mother and child by the navel string that one has once lived in this bodily juncture cannot as a fact be undone and so far one remains irrevocably his mother's son and the brother of the rest of her children but it would come to a lasting connection only by lasting piety this spirit of the family individuals are members of a family in the full sense only when they make the persistence of the family their task only as conservative do they keep aloof from doubting their bases the family to every member of the family one thing must be fixed and sacred viz the family itself or more expressively piety that the family is to persist remains to its member so long as he keeps himself free from that egoism which is hostile to the family an unassailable truth in a word if the family is sacred then nobody who belongs to it may secede from it else he becomes a criminal against the family he may never pursue an interest hostile to the family e g from a misalliance he who does this has dishonoured the family put it to shame etc now if an individual the egoistic impulse has not force enough he complies and makes a marriage which suits the claims of the family takes a rank which harmonizes with its position etc in short he does honour to the family if on the contrary the egoistic blood flows fierily through his veins he prefers to become a criminal against the family and to throw off its laws which of the two lies nearer my heart the good of the family or my good innumerable cases both go peacefully together the advantage of the family is at the same time mine and vice versa then it is hard to decide whether i am thinking selfishly or for the common benefit and perhaps i complacently flatter myself with my unselfishness but there comes the day when a necessity of choice makes me tremble when i have it in mind to dishonour my family tree to affront parents brothers and kindred what then 
now it will appear how i am disposed at the bottom of my heart now it will be revealed whether piety ever stood above egoism for me now the selfish one can no longer skulk behind the semblance of unselfishness a wish rises in my soul and growing from hour to hour becomes a passion to whom does it occur at first blush that the slightest thought which may result adversely to the spirit of the family piety bears with it a transgression against this nay who at once in the first moment becomes completely conscious of the matter it happened so with juliet in romeo and juliet the unruly passion can at last no longer be tamed and undermines the building of piety you will say indeed it is from self-will that the family casts out of its bosom those willful ones that grant more of a hearing to their passion than to piety the good protestants use the same excuse with much success against the catholics and believed in it themselves but it is just a subterfuge to roll the fault of oneself nothing more the catholics had regard for the common bond of the church and thrust those heretics from them only because these did not have so much regard for the bond of the church as to sacrifice their convictions to it the former therefore held the bond fast because the bond the catholic i e common and united church was sacred to them the latter on the contrary disregarded the bond just so those who lack piety they are not thrust out but thrust themselves out prizing their passion their wilfulness higher than the bond of the family but now sometimes a wish glimmers in a less passionate and wilful heart than juliet's the pliable girl brings herself as a sacrifice to the peace of the family one might say that here too selfishness prevailed for the decision came from the feeling that the pliable girl felt herself more satisfied by the unity of the family than by the fulfilment of her wish that might be but what if there remained a sure sign that the egoism had been sacrificed to piety what if even after the wish that had been directed against the peace of the family was sacrificed it remained at least as a recollection of a sacrifice brought to a sacred tie what if the pliable girl were conscious of having left her self-will unsatisfied and humbly subjected herself to a higher power subjected and sacrificed because the superstition of piety exercised its dominion over her there egoism won here piety wins and the egoistic heart bleeds there egoism was strong here it was weak but the weak as we have long known are the unselfish for them for these its weak members the family cares because they belong to the family do not belong to themselves and care for themselves this weakness hegel e g praises when he wants to have matchmaking left to the choice of the parents as a sacred communion to which among the rest the individual owes obedience 
a family has the judicial function too vested in it such as a family court is described e g in the cannabis of willabad alexis there the father in the name of the family council puts the intractable son among the soldiers and thrusts him out of the family in order to cleanse the smirched family again by the means of this act of punishment the most consistent development of family responsibility is contained in chinese law according to which the whole family has to expiate the individual's fault to-day however the arm of family power seldom reaches far enough to take seriously in hand the punishment of apostates in most cases the state protects even against disinheritance the criminal against the family family criminal flees into the domain of the state and is free as the state criminal who gets away to america is no longer reached by the punishments of his state he who has shamed his family the graceless son is protected against the family's punishment because the state this protecting lord takes away from family punishments its sacredness and profanes it decreeing that it is only revenge it restrains punishment this sacred family right because before it the state's sacredness the subordinate sacredness of the family always pales and loses its sanctity as soon as it comes in conflict with this higher sacredness without the conflict the state lets pass the lesser sacredness of the family but in the opposite case it even commands crime against the family charging e g the son to refuse obedience to his parents as soon as they want to beguile him to a crime against the state well the egoist has broken the ties of the family and found in the state a lord to shelter him against the grievously affronted spirit of the family but where has he run now straight into a new society in which his egoism is awaited by the same snares and nets that it has just escaped for the state is likewise a society not a union it is the broadened family father of the country mother of the country children of the country what is called a state is a tissue and plexus of dependence and adherence it is a belonging together a holding together in which those who are placed together fit themselves to each other or in short mutually depend on each other it is the order of this dependence suppose the king whose authority lends authority to all down to the beadle should vanish still all in whom the will for order was awake would keep order erect against the disorders of bestiality if order were victorious the state would be at an end but is this thought of love to fit ourselves to each other to adhere to each other and depend on each other really capable of winning us according to this the state should be love realized the being for each other and living for each other of all is not self-will being lost while we attend to the will for order will people not be satisfied when order is cared for by authority i e 
when authority sees to it that no one gets in the way of another when then the herd is judiciously disrupted or ordered why then everything is in the best order and it is this best order that is called state our societies and states are without our making them are united without our uniting are predestined and established or have an independent standing of their own are the indissolubly established against us egoists the fight of the world to-day is as it is said directed against the established yet people are wont to misunderstand this as if it were only that what is now established was to be exchanged for another a better established system but war might rather be declared against establishment itself the state not a particular state not any such thing as the mere condition of the state at the time it is not another state e g a people state that men aim at but their union uniting is ever fluid uniting of everything standing a state exists even without my cooperation i am born in it brought up in it under obligations to it and must do it homage it takes me up into its favour and i live by its grace thus the independent establishment of the state founds my lack of independence its condition as a natural growth its organism demands that my nature do not grow freely but be cut to fit it that it may be able to unfold in natural growth it applies to me the shears of civilization it gives me an education and culture adapted to it not to me and teaches me e g to respect the laws to refrain from injury to state property i e private property to reverence divine and earthly highness etc in short it teaches me to be unpunishable sacrificing my ownness to sacredness everything possible is sacred e g property others life etc in this consists a sort of civilization and culture that the state is able to give me it brings me up to be a serviceable instrument a serviceable member of society this every state must do the people's state as well as the absolute or constitutional one it must do so as long as we rest in the error that it is an i as which it then applies to itself the name of a moral mystical or political person i who really am i must pull off this lion skin of the eye from the stalking thistle eater what manifold robbery have i not put up with in the history of the world there i let sun moon and stars cats and crocodiles receive the honour of ranking as i there jehovah allah and our father came and were invested with the eye their families tribes peoples and at last actually mankind came and were honoured as eyes there the church the state came with the pretension to be i and i gazed calmly on all what wonder if then there was always a real i too that joined the company and affirmed in my face that it was not my you 
but my real I, why the Son of Man, par excellence, had done the like, why should not a Son of Man do it too? So I saw my eye always above me and outside me, and could never really come to myself. I never believed in myself. I never believed in my present. I saw myself only in the future. The boy believes he will be a proper eye, a proper fellow, only when he has become a man. The man thinks only in the other world will he be something proper and to enter more closely upon reality at once even the best are to-day still persuading each other that one must have received into himself the state his people mankind and what not in order to be a real i a free burgher a citizen a free or true man they too see the truth and reality of me in the reception of an alien eye and devotion to it and what sort of an eye? An eye that is neither an eye nor a you, a fancied eye, a spook. While in the Middle Ages the church would well brook many states living united in it, the states learned after the Reformation, especially after the Thirty Years' War, to tolerate many churches, confessions, gathering under one crown. But all states are religious, and, as the case may be, Christian states, and make it their task to force the intractable, the egoists, under the bond of the unnatural, e.g., Christianize them. All arrangements of the Christian state have the object of Christianizing the people. Thus the court has the object of forcing people to justice the school that of forcing them to mental culture in short the object of protecting those who act christianly against those who act unchristianly of bringing christian action to dominion of making it powerful among these means of force the state counted the church too it demanded a particular religion from everybody Dupin said lately against the clergy instruction and education belonging to the state. Certainly everything that regards the principle of morality is a state affair. Hence it is that the Chinese state meddles so much in family concerns, and one is nothing there if one is not first of all a good child to his parents. Family concerns are altogether state concerns with us too only that our state puts confidence in the families without painful oversight. It holds the family bonds by the marriage tie, and this tie cannot be broken without it. But that the state makes me responsible for my principles and demands certain ones from me might make me ask, what concern has it with the wheel in my head? Principle? Very much. For the state is the ruling principle. It is supposed that in divorce matters, in marriage law in general, the question is of the proportion of rights between church and states. Rather, the question is of whether anything sacred is to rule over man, be it called faith or ethical law, morality. The state behaves as the same ruler that the church was. The latter rests on godliness, 
the former on morality. People talk of the tolerance, the leaving opposite tendencies free, etc., by which civilized states are distinguished. Certainly some are strong enough to lurk without complacency on even the most unrestrained meetings, while others charge their catchpoles to go hunting for tobacco pipes. Yet for one state as for another, the play of individuals among themselves, their buzzing to and fro, their daily life, is an incident which it must be content to leave to themselves because it can do nothing with this. Many, indeed, still strain out gnats and swallow camels, while others are shrewder. Individuals are freer in the latter, because less pestered. But I am free in no state. The lauded tolerance of states is simply a tolerating of the harmless, the not dangerous. It is only elevation above petty-mindedness, only a more estimable, grander, prouder, despotism. A certain state seemed for a while to mean to be pretty well elevated above literary combats, which might be carried on with all heat. England is elevated above popular turmoil and tobacco-smoking, but woe to the literature that deals blows at the state itself. Woe to the mobs that endanger the state. In that certain state they dream of a free science, in England of a free popular life. The state does let individuals play as freely as possible, only they must not be in earnest, must not forget it. Man must not carry on intercourse with man unconcernedly, not without superior oversight and mediation. I must not execute all that I am able to, but only so much as the state allows. I must not turn to account my thoughts nor my work, nor in general anything of mine. The state always has the sole purpose to limit, tame, subordinate the individual, to make him subject to some generality or other. It lasts only so long as the individual is not all in all and it is only the clearly marked restriction of me, my limitation, my slavery. Never does a state aim to bring in the free activity of individuals, but always that which is bound to the purpose of the state. Through the state, nothing in common comes to pass either, as little as one can call a piece of cloth the common work of all the individual parts of a machine. It is rather the work of the whole machine as a unit, machine work. In the same style, everything is done by the state machines too, for it moves the clockwork of the individual minds, none of which follow their own impulse. The state seeks to hinder every free activity by its censorship, its supervision, its police, and holds this hindering to be its duty because it is in truth a duty of self-preservation. The state wants to make something out of man, therefore there live in it only made man. Every one who wants to be his own self is its opponent and is nothing. He is nothing means as much as the state does not make use of him, grants him no position, no office, no trade, etc. 
Edgar Buer, in the liberal vestry bungeon, volume 2, page 50, is still dreaming of a government which, proceeding out of the people, can never stand in opposition to it. He does indeed, page 69, himself take back the word government. In the Republic, no government at all obtains but only an executive authority, an authority which proceeds purely and alone out of the people, which has not an independent power, independent principles, independent officers, over against the people, but which has its foundation, the fountain of its power and of its principles, in the sole supreme authority of the state, in the people, the concept government, therefore, is not at all suitable in the people's state, but the thing remains the same. That which has proceeded, been founded, sprung from the fountain, becomes something independent, and, like a child delivered from the womb, enters upon a position at once. The government, if it were nothing independent and opposing, would be nothing at all. In the free state there is no government, etc. Page 94. This surely means that the people, when it is the sovereign, does not let itself be conducted by a superior authority. Is it perchance different in absolute monarchy? Is there, there, for the sovereign, perchance, a government standing over him, over the sovereign, be he called prince or people? There never stands a government that is understood of itself, but over me there will stand a government in every state, in the absolute as well as in the republican or free. I am as badly off in one as in the other. The republic is nothing whatever but absolute monarchy, for it makes no difference whether the monarch is called prince or people, both being a majesty. Constitutionalism itself proves that nobody is able and willing to be only an instrument. The minister's dominion over the master, the prince, the deputies over their master, the people, here then, the parties at least, are already free, fidelicient, the office holder's party, so-called people's party. The prince must conform to the will of the ministers, the people dance to the pipe of the chambers. Constitutionalism is further than the republic, because it is the state, insipitent dissolution. Edgar Buer denies, page 56, that the people is a personality in the constitutional state, per contra. Then, in the republic? Well, in the constitutional state, the people is a party, and a party is surely a personality, if one is once resolved to talk of a political, page 76, moral person anyhow. The fact is that a moral person, be it called people's party, or people, or even the lord, is in no wise a person but a spook. Further, Edgar Bure goes on, page 69, guardianship is the characteristic of a government truly still more that of a people and people's state. It is the characteristics of all dominion, a people's state, which unites in itself all completeness of power, the absolute master, 
cannot let me become powerful. And what a chimera to be no longer willing to call the people's officials, servants, instruments, because they execute the free, rational law will of the people, page 73. He thinks, page 74, only by all official circles subordinating themselves to the government's views can unity be brought into the state. But his people's state is to have unity too. How will a lack of subordination be allowed there? Subordination to the people's will. In the constitutional state, it is the regent and his disposition that the whole structure of government rests on in the end. Page 130. How would that be otherwise in the people's state? Shall I not there be governed by the people's disposition too? And does it make a difference for me whether I see myself kept in dependence by the prince's disposition or by the people's disposition, so-called public opinion. If dependence means as much as religious relation, as Edgar Buer rightly alleges, then in the people's state the people remains for me the superior power, the majesty, for God and prince have their proper essence in majesty, to which I stand in religious relations, like the sovereign regent, the sovereign people too would be reached by no law. Edgar Buer's whole attempt comes to a change of masters. Instead of wanting to make the people free, he should have had his mind on the sole realizable freedom, his own. In the constitutional state, absolutism itself has at last come in conflict with itself. As it has been shattered into a duality, the government wants to be absolute, and the people wants to be absolute. These two absolutes will wear out against each other. End of section 25. Recording by Elaine Webb, Bristol, England.